this is Puddle Request, live on Radio Free Brooklyn. Puddle Request is an hour-long talk show about everything in and pertaining to technology. Starring two Brooklyn technophiles, Eric Newman, hi, and Chris Grabowski. Say that again, Chris. Hello. This week's episode, we still haven't got it yet. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Polar Request. My name is Eric Newman, and to my left is the beautiful, the wonderful, the handsome, the talented Chris Grabowski. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing doing quite well. We almost had a smooth start to the show. Almost. 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 And then I had your mic up and on, and I realized at the last second, wait, no, I didn't want it on, and I turned it off, and then I forgot that it should have been on for the rest of the theme's music. Anyway, hello, Brooklyn. Sorry. Hello, Brooklyn. Happy Sunday. Happy, what is today, the 18th of December? Yes. Yes. That's only how many shopping days till Christmas? Nah, seven. Yeah. Seven? Well, six. How many? What is a shopping day? I never understood this. It's a day where you can go out and shop. A day where you can go out and shop. What if you work retail? Well, then it's a day of hell for you. A day of hell, yeah. And my condolences, our condolences, I think we can say to all of you who are working retail right now who must... I did. There's no other. There's nothing else to say other than I'm. I'm sorry. I worked retail for five months when I was 16, and that was it. <laughs> Where did you work? TJ Maxx. Ugh. TJ Maxx on Long Island. Well, of course. Yeah. What was the? Uh, what did you do? Uh, I did a lot of things actually. I was cashier, uh, cha- uh, changing room attendant, and um, changing room attendant. I and and uh, restocked uh, shelves. No, it was more so um, make sure people didn't take stuff. Oh, gotcha. I was going to say that could have some fringe benefits, but. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, so how how's life? Neither of us were delayed by trains today. Yeah, that's Do, weird. We could uh, we could actually have a whole episode without talking about trains. Well, so much for that. So much for that. Oh well. Um, what do you want to talk about? We have we've actually we've yeah, actually we're, we're actually pretty organized. Actually, tried to organize this show. Yeah. Which hopefully will be better. Except for sounds like we're on a pirate ship, but our cr- people on our crew keep dying. <laughs> Tyler's dead. Uh, I'm sorry. No, he, uh, along with most of most ambient people that I've run into, have a cold. Really? And, uh, yeah, you don't have a cold. No. No, I don't yeah, have a weird. cold. But, you know, maybe the other people who were coughing on these mics earlier, they might have colds. Yeah. Now that we're just nice and up close now. Yeah, um, just in time for the holidays. Exactly. I got you flu for Christmas, Kristen. <laughs> has... Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. It's the gift uh, that keeps on giving. Uh, yeah, because it multiplies. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that great? Um, you went to a technology summit. I did. This week. Was it in Trump Tower? No. It wasn't that one? No, it was not. Would you have gone? Not really. That? No? No. If you got a, if you got a golden encrusted uh, inv- invitation that was sent to you on a carrier pigeon from Fifth Avenue that, was, that says, Donald Trump requests your presence... To attend a technology summit, would you go? No. No. Well, first of all, I, never, I didn't understand why have this summit at all. Because all these tech companies do not contribute to the country's GDP one bit because it's not something that can be measured like traditional manufacturing is. It so we do w- not... Yeah, wait a second. Tech does not c- contribute to the, uh, to the country's GDP. That doesn't make any sense. But what about the software that they sell? Nope. Because it's software and uh, GDP measurements are not uh, meant for that. GDP measurements aren't meant for that. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Well, it's because we're in the information age, and um, 
information economy. And I think that he wants to get all the people together to figure out where to point the ship for the next four. Let's keep it for hopefully four years. And uh, I'm not sorry. I'm not supposed to talk politics on the show. <laughs> sorry. But, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to not do it when I really want to know. It's hard to not do it when. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the case. It's hard Be to honest. not do it when I really want to know. It's hard to not do it when there's this intersection between technology and politics. And I think that we should we should spend maybe a minute talking about this 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 uh, tech summit. But you know what? Let's do that after your tech summit because you're sure. right here. So I went to Tectonic Summit, which what is that? Uh, it is CoreOS's uh, Enterprise uh, Technology Summit, and they were nice enough to send me an invitation. I got to go as a VIP, which was pretty cool. Ooh. What does the V stand for? Uh, very. And the the P? Person. Person. And the I? Important. Important. Okay, what's the V stand for again? <laughs> Very. Very. And the, and the P? Person. Person. Okay. <laughs> okay, and the I? Sorry. Anyway. Important. So you got, was that encrusted in gold? No, no. it was in an email. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, was but, the email encrusted in gold? Sorry. No. 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 No, was there an emoji in the subject line? No. No. Well, they didn't put any effort into the invitation. Would they use a MailChimp? No, it was a direct mail to me. Direct, direct email, no BCC. So what did it say? It just said, hey, Christian, since you're involved with the community and everything, like I've done a lot of work in Kubernetes and a bunch of the tools are, uh, that, that are built around it, that I was invited as a VIP. So I went. Uh, tons of familiar faces for me. Um, was there a red carpet? No. No. There was a pancake breakfast, though. Pancake breakfast? Yeah. Did, they, did you have a selection of syrups? There were at least two. I'm pretty sure. At least two? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. What did you... How, how, how many pancakes did you eat? I lost count. Yeah. yeah. Were they good? I guess they were good. They were good, yeah. yeah. It was at the Conrad, down, uh, all the way downtown, uh, but not too far from the World Trade Center. Okay. Okay. Pretty cool place. Gotcha. Yeah. And a lot of familiar faces for me. Uh, in fact, most people that you'll see around New York City tech meetups were there, I'd say. Okay. Which can you, cool. can you th throw out a couple names, or did you, do you not want to do that? Uh, I don't know if I should or not. You don't know if you should. No, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But uh, a lot of interesting things were talked about there. Uh, um, give me a, give me a taste, please. So there was a lot of like where the uh, this technology is headed. The whole cloud native uh, uh, technology suite. They had a bunch of the heads from uh, the cloud native foundation. Cloud going. native doesn't that sound like an oxymoron? No, it doesn't. Because the cloud is. It's native to the cloud. Native to the cloud, but that's just cloud. No, not necessarily. No, not, no. These, these, these are the tools to make uh, functioning in the cloud easiest, which this is all very ge geared towards enterprise. Uh, well, yeah, the, you said the, it was an enterprise yeah. conference. My question is, though, I don't, under, I don't understand the behind. I don't understand what cloud native is. So maybe if I go through the uh, tools, it uh, help you uh, okay, understand better. Okay, because from my point of view, it's either in the cloud or it's native from a, from a, a user standpoint or... The thing in the cloud is being virtualized. Anyway, well, it's on a, some kind of virtualized server you're, environment. You're using the word native as you, uh, is traditionally referred to as just bare metal. Oh, just space. like I was using the word container to refer to a box yes, uh, last week. Yes. Oh. And uh, this whole uh, this entire <laughs> summit would just shout you down in that one. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm used but, to being shouted down. I'm not supposed to talk about politics. That's <laughs> fine. Anyhow, anyhow, so the technologies that make up uh, what's currently in the uh, Cloud Native uh, Foundation would be uh, Kubernetes is uh, the, the first one, which is uh, an orchestration uh, framework. So or orchestration, was that in, what, what key was that? <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's uh, 
it's used to actually uh, schedule your uh, applications, your services, your workloads onto uh, your servers. So which you you bundle those all up in containers, and then Kubernetes finds a spot ideal for running those on. Is uh, is orchestration that infrastructure as code? No, no. Uh, in fact, they're fairly different things. Okay. Uh, you know what? We don't have to talk about that now. Oh yeah. Yes, that's, that's true. Right. We could do a tease. Our first, our first tease. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for next week, I think that'll be our topic for next week. Infrastructure as code. So stay tuned because we'll we'll be doing that a week from now. Anyway, so orchestration is not. It's it's just a way to mm-hmm. orchestrate software. It's like scripting. Is that is it scripting? Is that no, what? No, no. The, this is actually a, a, a series of daemons that are uh, that function in a way to schedule. Uh, in fact, there's an actual scheduler within it. Okay. To schedule uh, your workloads onto your servers. Schedule workload. Okay. There's a container in it. The, the container is what you package your workloads in. Package your workloads in. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So you, okay. Anyway, and go on. So one thing about the Cloud Native Foundation, these are just the tools they selected, but essentially though, to have Cloud Native, uh, you just have to have a type of these tools. So instead of Kubernetes, you could be running Mesos, you could be running um, uh, Docker Swarm, or uh, there's other ones out there that are lesser known. And then after that, you have um, Prometheus, which is the time series database for uh, monitoring metrics. Okay, you used the, you used many words there. <laughs> time series database for monitoring metrics. What's yes. a time series database? So time series da- database, instead of your traditional database that's just used to store data, this actually stores data at a specific time. So say you have um, CPU usage as a, a single uh, what would be a, a data point. What, what you would call a, a table okay. in MySQL. But, See, okay, and then so it's at this point in time it's uh, this uh, value, and th- th- at the next point in time it's another value. Well, wouldn't you have? Wouldn't you just have those as fields? You have the time timestamp as a field. You can build the, a t- uh, time series on top of a regular database, but that's more work you're doing as opposed to a database doing it. So for it's the you. only difference just that like auto auto it's, doing it's this the, one the field concern, for you. The concern is shifted from uh, your application to the database. Okay. Interesting. So I guess it's just assume that all the indices are uh, are just time timestamps. Yes. Ah. Okay. Go yes. on. And then the ne- the next technology that was uh, recently added in was uh, Fluent D, which has been around for a while actually. Um, uh, funny story actually. Uh, we, we were using it where I work, and we were seeing high resource usage uh, because we weren't getting enough throughput. Uh, we log a crap ton of things and very quickly, so we ended up writing our own alternative that handled that throughput. But when you're dealing with volume, Fluent D is actually very ideal. <laughs> Sorry. You said uh, it was a funny story. Oh. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, and then the, the, um, the most recent technology in there is uh, open tracing, which I haven't actually had any experience using yet, but it sounds pretty cool. It actually traces your communication between services. Okay. So that way, for particularly for debugging, if you're trying to figure out what uh, your uh, authentication service is talking to, you, say, uh, your uh, e-commerce store and you have a... Uh, Checkout service and so just, to them talk back and forth. So just logging, more logging is that not really logging so much as actually tracing the network uh, packets being uh, uh, tra- uh, transferred back and forth. Interesting. Isn't that um, is there more overhead? I guess there would be. Yeah, but this is for debugging, so you'd only oh true. Like you'd run it in staging maybe or uh, your QA environment, but then your production environment you might not have open tracing. You might run it uh, in production just that way you have like these what if things go wrong in production situations. Interesting, interesting. You know what? I was I was curious because there's this there there there's this slight difference in terminology I found in web design. This is really quick. Um, staging slash QA mm-hmm. or and 
slash beta and live slash production. I, I know 10 years ago, everybody was still, and this is, I think, before the blossoming of, of cloud stuff and enter, more enterprise remote services. I think more people were using live and beta. Is that a fair assumption I, I, to make or no? I feel like they're, it's apple to oranges here. Uh, okay. Like uh, beta is still live in a sense. It's just this is not your, um, this is not the one to be guaranteed. Uh, well, nothing's actually guaranteed to be bug free, oh. but it's not the one that, that, like you're saying, there will be bugs. You can use this, but it's not what the mass population should be using. Does the beta kind of uh, imply staging? I would say it does because you I, know that it's going to change. I would you know argue that it's no. Not... The purpose of uh, a staging environment is to have something up there temporarily to verify that it works in a very short amount of time. So well, a beta has already gone through the staging environment, and you're saying this works, but there needs to be more. Interesting. So you you have a point because Gmail beta is very much in production, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm sure they have a staging environment for that for Gmail beta. And that would be Gmail Gamma. <laughs> so, uh, no. Anyway, I was just, I was just curious. But let's before we run out of time. What else? What else about your text? Was there an open bar? There was. Was there was, there was a whiskey tasting even? That was oh, awesome. Geez. Yeah. I guess they're they embraced that Steve Ballmer uh, blood alcohol coating level. Well, it's true <laughs> for some people. Um, okay. What else? What other tech stuff from your summit? Well, I'd say uh, uh, there was a lot of customer success stories, and with that, these were a lot of larger companies this year. Uh, uh, mostly because uh, this was the year that you saw a lot of these enterprise places finally adopting these newer technologies. Interesting, interesting. And the one thing I took away from it is uh, no more SSH on services becoming pretty popular. And no more SSH on services? Not even key-based authentication? No, no more SSH. How do you how do you do stuff? You t talk to your orchestration tool. How does the orchestration tool talk to the server? It has an HTTPS client. And I say HTTPS because you sure as hell better not be using HTTP. <laughs> Okay. Wow. And uh, that and a lot of these enterprises have some pretty screwed up networks. Uh, they are quite, quite literally. Ring? They're quite literally rat rat nests. Rat's nest. Yeah. Wow. Are they? Um, what happened to token ring networks? Uh, I don't hear about those anymore. Yeah, no. they've been relegated to Dilbert Comics, I think. <laughs> so speaking of comics, I think the writers of Control Alt Delete <laughs> listen to this show. Because you mean commit strip, commit strip. I'm yeah. sorry, that's the other geek comic. Yeah, control alt delete. Do they even still make control alt delete? I hope. I, I, I've actually never seen control alt delete. Honestly. Really? That no. was that was big when when I was in high school, 15 years ago. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's so sad. Um, okay, is that all that you want to talk about with the conference? Uh, well, somewhat related to it was the following day. Docker had a uh, a uh, small patch supposedly put out, but there was a big announcement from that small patch. And that was that you can run Containerd as a standalone now. Oh, and actually, I, I just pulled up this article from, I guess, oh, it's from Docker's blog from the 14th, uh, saying today, which was then, uh, Docker is spinning out its core container runtime functionality into a standalone component, incorporating it into a separate project called Containerd. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> called. Who else but Quagmire? Imagine that. I think they have to pay rights to Fox. No, I need to stop <laughs> accidentally resting my hand on the iPad. Um, that's what happened uh, last week. Anyway, um, look, a separate project called Containerd, mm -hmm. and we'll be do uh, donating it to a neutral foundation. New, yeah, Neutral Foundation, early next year. This is the latest chapter in a multi-year effort to break up the Docker platform into a more modular architecture of loosely coupled in components. So, uh, is that... So what interests me about that Neutral Foundation, I'm wondering if that's going to be the Cloud Native Foundation. 
It's not capital F. It's not the name isn't neutral foundation it just says a neutral foundation yes so i'm wondering which one and oh. i'm hoping it's cloud native what other neutral foundations could there be the linux foundation is that well uh the linux foundation is actually kind of an umbrella of the cloud native hey foundation. we've now mentioned the linux foundation on every episode yeah well i mean it's a pretty important thing to tech oh so yeah. it makes sense i thought those were i thought that was one of those things we're not supposed to talk about every time well you might want to cut back on it cut back on the linux <laughs> sorry guys um so dot container D is that that's an orchestration no, component. Th- this no, this is a uh, supervisor for your containers. That's and that's not orchestration. No, this, I, this is so confusing. Orchestration handles where to place this. Where to place that? And but wouldn't uh, that just be a, so? That's not a script. This is not a necessary part of uh, your architecture, but it's a part that makes it kind of easy because this can handle restarting containers when they fail, or uh, garbage collection things of that nature. But it's just uh, like a. You, you kind of do need this with a container, but there's other ways to handle it. Like you can have uh, your init system handle it. You can have um, Kubernetes has its own kubelet uh, thing, which is kind of just an agent on each uh, node in your server, in your cluster, sorry. And that handles, actually, when you're running Docker with it, it actually talk to uh, Docker's entire uh, collection of tools, but container is at the heart of it, dealing with uh, the lifecycle of a container, the um, um, cleanup of it, and things of that nature. And what's interesting about ContainerD is this has been a project on GitHub for quite some time now where they said this is uh, pulled out. Like they started with libcontainers, just here's a library for uh, managing containers. And then that turned into ContainerD, which is now we have a daemon to manage containers that's separate from what was already in Docker. And this was just pulling it out. Why would that be separate from Docker? That's what I don't get. To make it more modular. So that way you uh, could run ContainerD as standalone. Um, you can run... Without running Docker. But don't doesn't Docker have to run... For the containers, to, I, this is what I don't get. Why Do, don't they? Just you don't have, need Docker to have containers. You don't need Doc. Well, you don't need Docker to have containers. But don't you make the? Oh, right. You could just make containers. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Why can't you just uh, spin up Apache on your local system and, and just work on that? Uh, th- there's a lot of reasons why. Um, th- uh, the one benefit that I I've been doing see, it for for 15 years. And how many times not, do you uh, SCP code up to your server and all of a sudden realize? Uh, what version am I running? I don't know what version it is. Uh, no, because neither of nothing has been updated in five years, so it's oh, all well. the same from five years ago. Well, that's fine. no. But uh, <laughs> don't hack me, please. <laughs> now Challenge you know, accepted. Yeah. No, yeah. actually, my uh, pneumonium.com runs on a on a server that's not connected to anything else, and it is constantly kept up to date and has it's very secure. It's in Bulgaria. That's definitely secure. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not even. It's Absolutely. not even from where the hackers are coming from. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> I'm already, my server's already, it's, I got a pre-hacked server, so there's no wondering <laughs> if it's already, if it's going to be hacked, because it's already, when you get something from Eastern Europe, it comes, there's an option, you can ch- save five bucks a month, if you never, never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, container D. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's a way for, to, to manage containers that's not necessarily Docker, which Docker is a way to manage containers even though container so, D is made by Docker, think of uh, Docker as just, uh, the the, bi- the big box, and then within there you have smaller boxes. Oh my God! Which this is giving me a flashback from <laughs> from last week. So you have one box. That- I was telling you containers are boxes, dude. How? No, this is a visual thing. This is a visual thing. Okay. So is it- a square a rectangle? Yes, but that, that ah. that's not the point. But oh, uh, the, okay. you're, you're, that, that was a totally different argument. But anyway, with this. 
it's the idea that Docker encompasses a bunch of things, which it has an API server to deal with communication. It okay. has a CLI to have yeah, user interaction. It has container D, and it has run C. Well, okay, but container D has now been broken out. Yes, but it's still part of Docker itself. It's just now you can also run this as a standalone. So where, in what instance would you only need container D and not the rest of Docker or tools that would basically do the same thing so, as the rest of Docker? One thing that uh, Docker handles for you that it abstracts away from that uh, a lot of the other container runtimes decide to actually not abstract away from is your OCI spec, which is, stands for Open Container Initiative Spec. This is a JSON file that will actually uh, provide configuration for your container. Docker does all this, uh, like uh, the Docker build and all these things and the Docker file. They all abstract away from this to make it a lot easier. But you can also just define this JSON file and have your container runtime deal with that. And that's what container D would need. Or you can even run uh, the, the other part of Docker, uh, run C that was uh, broken out uh, probably about a year ago now. That can also run as a standalone. And you just provide this JSON config that it's abstracting away from. And um, as long as you, you still have to deal with things like you have to create your own file system tree and things like that if you run these as standalones as opposed to using Docker with them. And then Docker just abstracts away from all of this and kind of kind of think of like Docker as like the nice framework and then ContainerD is a library within there. Wow. Okay. Um, but you didn't, you didn't, I don't think you answered my question, which was where could you use ContainerD without using the rest of Docker? Oh, I'm saying you can use it directly if you want to. It's just, it's, not, it's, like, if it's, you make... it's like the idea of using... Um, so Docker would be Rails, mm -hmm. and uh, ContainerD would just be using Active Record. So you can use Active Record to just t talk to your database. Interesting. But then that's also part of Rails. Very, very interesting. Um, okay, I think that's. I think is, is, is that you want to put a pin in the ContainerD? Yeah, I'd say All so. Right, that's yeah. good. And we're yeah. trying to trying to be more organized and have more m modularized segments, more container oh. containerized segments. Uh, speaking of which, let's follow up on something that we talked about last week about different types of SSDs because of the looming NAND shortage. Now, for those of you who didn't listen, the NAND shortage is possibly an artificially created shortage, but let's not say that it's the shortage in the type of memory that's in solid state drives. And much like the ready whip shortage, you never see these things coming. And somehow they really affect your life in a bad way. And it's just deplorable. I can't, you know how much I like ready whip, Christian? I honestly don't actually. I, it's uh, you can't beat it because they don't use the artificially hydrogenated oil, like Cool Whip. Like Cool Whip, exactly. And uh, it tastes it tastes more like anyway. It's <laughs> you know what whippets are, Christian? No, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do it for Christmas, and now there's no more ready whip. No, uh, I don't do that. Um, no, the different types of solid state drives are SLC. MLC and TLC. SLC is single-level cell, MLC is multi-level cell, and TLC is that band from the 90s that I think Beyonce... Was Beyonce in that? Uh, or was she in Destiny's Child? She was in Destiny's Child. Destiny's Child, right, okay. Uh, Three-level cell, not triple-level cell. That's, that's you, have single, you have single, multi, and three. <laughs> not triple. Okay. Three is not a number. Right. So, okay, the single-level cell has the highest performance. And I think that makes sense because it's just one level of density. And so it removes the level of dimension when you look at data. Mm -hmm. Multi-level cell, I guess, just has any more than one, but not three because that's the three-level cell. 
I, we <laughs> don't make this stuff up, folks. Uh, the three-level cell has the, is the lower performance, lowest cost NAN, which I believe is what are in the phones, uh, that has uh, the three bits per cell, lower endurance limit, best price point, somewhat slower write speed than the multi-level cells, good fit for lower-end consumer products, not recommended for critical applications, which require frequent updating of data. So I believe this, those are in the like your watches and some of your more well, no, I, IoT things. I don't think it's in the phone, is it? Why not? I, I think the phones have a, a mostly because of the workload that uh, happens on the phones. I think you'd have yeah, uh, you know the data doesn't change too much in memory. Sorry, on no. I mean on disk. No, on the phones. No, you're right. I but, think I mean given the volume that they're manufacturing. But you look at the workloads they're doing though. All they're not doing it on the disk. All they're your smartwatch really needs to do is boot. Right. And all your phone needs to do is boot right but to the, the disk. But the boot image right apps, is in not, is not on SSD. It is well, it, not in the SSD that you uh, pop in or the SD card, however you right. want to refer to it. But it is on that actual drive that you have that's internal. Like uh, you're an iPhone user, and I'm an Android user. I happen to have the Nexus, which both of them happen to have only the internal drive, which they do have their boot partition on that drive. Oh, so the booting and the data is done on the same drive. So if you overwrite the data, and when I say overwrite, I mean write too much to the mm -hmm. data, then you'll not be able to boot eventually. Is that what happens? If you manage to fill up, the, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, both iOS and Android have fail-safes to basically stop that way beforehand. In fact, I remember having an HTC phone that was a little aggressive with that. Interesting. Is that is that uh, like garbage collection, write leveling? Right leveling? It's just, uh, I think they take a much simpler approach than uh, what you'd hope for, saying when you're at this percentage of disk usage, stop writing to disk. Ah. Uh, yeah. It's like when my Mac complains, we're out of space. Well, I'm sorry. How do you manage to run out of space on a Mac? That's impressive. Well, because you can't upgrade the drives anymore, Chris. So it's much easier than it was. Isn't that sad? Yeah. We were talking about how we might actually take a step backwards in, in price per gigabyte because of the shortage. Gigabyte? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Who else? No. Um, it, we, we might actually, for the first time this century, which is really the first time ever, go backwards in price per gigabyte because they're also ramping down production of mechanical hard disks because more people are switching to SSDs mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, which is weird because there's still a place for mechanical disks. If you're looking to save... I mean, they still it, make jukeboxes. Yeah, but it's like if you're looking to save data for a, a very extended period of time... You're still going to want a, a mechanical disk over an SSD. Well, right, but that's you know, it's like five percent of the people, ten percent of the people. That's I mean, you most still... co companies are legally required to. Well, you know, uh, most people would also like a computer with more than four ports. <laughs> or would they? Who knows? Just take a look Apple. at System Seventy Six. Actually, they I, not System Seven Point Six. No, Seventy Six. No. I uh, I did one there. Uh, like uh, virtual builds, and it is a fraction of the price for even better hardware. <laughs> right, but the thing is, if and they you can just get Linux on it. if they just sold OS ten by itself, which the majority of this perceived more increased stability from OS ten. This is really an argument from ten years ago, but only had a radio show for a few weeks. <laughs> um, that the perceived stability from OS ten slash the perceived large instability from Windows comes from device drivers. And Windows is made to run on anything, Cobble, um, almost anything. Yeah. And Mac OS is made to run a, on a very specific set of hardware, where Apple has tested every combination of hardware that you could run on OS X. So a lot of the times when you have this, like, you know, this odd 
no one's ever heard of this company before, a random board that you put in your Windows machine, and then sometimes you get a blue screen. Microsoft never knew about that. But everything that's going into your Mac, Apple has seen except for Hackintoshes, because Hackintoshes, the, imply, the name implies that you're um, breaking into somebody's emails. No. <laughs> the name implies that you're uh, exceeding the, extent, the intended functionality of the product, and it may operate in a way that wasn't intended because you're doing something that wasn't intended to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, speaking of NAND memory really quickly, there's a way with the iPhone 5C to bypass the passcode by using a NAND mirroring attack. And I think when we talk about, or when we previously, uh, you know, in person, mm -hmm. because we didn't have this radio show and the FBI was doing the San Bernardino iPhone, um, when we had talked about how you get into a locked iPhone, I believe it was John McAfee who said, you know, just give me 30 minutes and I could copy the contents of the disk and then I could tell you exactly how to bypass it. And it looks like that's what these guys are doing. Did, um, did you have... Oh, well, first of all, bring up McAfee there. Um, recently... I mean, he was also, by the way, he was also run out of the country because you, of a drug issue. Yeah, that sounds right. 20 years ago. Yeah, that and then right. And then now he's trying to you know, crawl uh, back into relevance. You, you ever watch Halton Catch Fire? Oh, yeah. Uh, Joe McMillan's based off of him. Who? Joe McMillan. Who? The character. Oh. Yeah. I, I haven't watched that show this year, sorry. Oh. Well, anyway, uh, because you brought up Matt McAfee, um, recently heard that there is a uh, uh, security hole in their antivirus, which this happens to be most antiviruses have tons of security holes, oddly enough. But McAfee in particular uh, has a crap ton. Well, what's this that one, one? This one happens to be um, on any Unix-based system. So your, your OS X, your Linux, your FreeBSD, any of those. Uh, if you're running uh, McAfee, uh, there is a vulnerability for re remote root level code execution or just execution. Rather. Oh, no. Yeah. So, oh, I thought you were going to explain it. Oh, I'm going into that. Yes. So with that... Um, is the, it your standard the, this, buffer overflow? No, this is actually uh, through, through trying to identify a virus. It, there is a certain point in time where you can actually just uh, input shell code as root. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So you just like... in Wait, in the virus? Not in the virus, but as... As McAfee detects the virus, there happens to be a point in time where, um, particularly if you're running this within uh, your um, terminal, so, uh, you get a good example of this. It'll actually say, like, um, uh, need to do the, um, basically give you a root shell to handle issues, which it used to be the case that this was a, um, a similar issue to the, uh, something you would see in, um, uh, it wasn't Grub itself, but it was if you were booting, forget which Linux distro it was, out of Grub, and it couldn't find uh, uh, the correct uh, partition to boot off of, it would just give you a root shell and you can do whatever you want, but that's, you'd also have no file system. So that's it's horrible. Like, yeah. It's, if, we can't, if we can't figure out what to do, just gives you a root shell. Oops. Yeah. So you have to maliciously create a file in a certain way that allows the McAfee well, system this is like, to we've identified your code. We've identified a virus, but we have no solution for it. Huh. And then they, it's like you have root code execution. Oops. Yeah. Well, but anyway, getting back, back to, to this, yeah. passcodes on iPhones can be hacked using store-bought store electronic components worth less than $100. That's 77 pounds, according to one Cambridge computer scientist. Sergei Skorobogatov, that's what it says, 
Sorry. Yeah, yes, we related to him. Yeah. Could you? Are you a Skarabogatov? No, I'm not, but it uh, uh, sounds like Sergei Skarabogatov has demonstrated that man memoring the technique dismissed by James Comey, the director of the FBI, is unwork as unworkable, is actually a viable means of bypassing passcode entry limits on Apple's iPhone 5C. What's more that they didn't mention about the current iPhone model, there's a chance that it might not work with the 6 or the 7. But what's more, the technique, which involves soldering off the iPhone's flash memory chip, can be used on any model of iPhone up to the 6S+. Plus. I should have read that following sentence before making my stupid comment. Uh, which <laughs> used the same type of LGA60 NAND chip. Later models, however, like the 7, and I guess the 6S, will require, quote, more sophisticated equipment and FPGA test boards. Uh, in a paper he wrote on the subject, Skora Bogatov, a Russian senior research associate at the Cambridge Computer Laboratory Security Group, confirmed that, quote, any attacker with sufficient technical skills could repeat the experiment. And while the technique he used is quite fiddly, it should not present too much of an obstacle for a well-resourced branch of law enforcement. The attack works by cloning the iPhone's flash memory chip. Is there a way, could we, could we have, like, can we make this, like, less, less horrible? <laughs> of, uh, like, what if I just, uh... The attack works by cloning the- WHAT'S THE DEAL WITH NOW? Oh. Uh, uh, by cloning the iPhone's flash memory chip, iPhones generally allow users six attempts to guess a passcode before locking them out for an incrementally longer period of time. By the complex process of taking the phone apart, removing its memory chip, and then cloning it, an attacker is able to have as many clusters of six tries as they can, because I guess they just reflash the chips mm -hmm. every- And that's how you can brute force- Oh, that's horrible. Yep. Uh, the moral of the story is use a longer password and don't use numbers. Hmm. Don't, um, no, I mean, seriously, like, no, everybody yeah. with those pin codes, A, yeah, I'm one of them. you could always watch the people when they enter their pin code, and B, also the oil from their fingers reflects off the screen so you can see it anyway, and C, numbers are really not so, secure passwords, and in fact, one of the people that I know uses their social security number as a oh, password. yikes. Of numbers to use, that is literally the worst. Yes, and, and it's somebody who's really near and dear to my heart, so please, for the love of God, stop. Please stop. But they're not going to, because they don't know how to use a computer. Anyway, you know, they're like, I can yeah. only remember so many numbers, and I might as well use this one. Don't well, use a number. I'd like to bring up, I forget the name of the app, because I don't actually use it, but I really want to. Um, there's an app, at least for Android, that will periodically change your passcode. And Interesting. it'll alert you as long as you have the phone unlocked, and then or, it'll let you do the change. you could just use a longer passcode. If you use a passcode that's like eight eight characters... Well, frequently changed passcodes are still ideal because uh, if you're using the same... Even if you have a long password, like I have a great one that I use to actually get into my laptop itself, that uh, its estimation is about 36 billion years to crack on a brute force. And it uh, with with that though, if I use that for everything and I just keep on using that, it's very easy to uh, just guess it because of particularly that social hacking of figuring out. Oh well, he has uh, like it's always like pet, uh, near and dear loved one, something like that, and then you just have to figure, uh, sprinkle in a few uh, special characters somewhere. And then if you figure that out, then it's like well, you have access to everything there, which I think was the case for Mark Zuckerberg when he got his Twitter hacked. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. You should use, should, but it's really hard to, in practice, use a different password for every service. Uh, and you could use a, a password manager. I use LastPass. Try yes, not to pop LastPass. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, LastPass. And LastPass the thing, is good. And uh, I think the LastPass keyboard is, is free now for iOS. I don't know about Android, but that has been mm. the major thing. So you can, the biggest stumbling block is when you have a 32-character password, trying to enter it on your phone is a nightmare. <laughs> so LastPass has a keyboard, like, you know, like Swipe is a keyboard, or, um, mm -hmm. and emojis are a keyboard. Uh, 
that it just you can enter your passwords from it and that's really nice but it was paid and why pay for software no you should pay for software you should pay for software you should pay for software that you support and these guys are worth supporting especially because they only ask for like a dollar or two a month to secure actually secure your passwords and then you can use them on uh you could use a different password on any site um let's see oh for a six digit passcode this attack would take about three months so, that's not numbers. Is that numbers? Do you do six-digit numbers now? No, uh, I don't think you have to. Two to three months, and you could write a script to re-image the drives. But then the but then you ha- the drives will eventually they'll exercise their write limit, won't they? Uh, that's like a write limit for the amount of space, though. But that uh, if you're just re-imaging it, that's pretty easy to mm. do. In fact, uh, when you root your Android phone, you kind of have to do that to yourself. You have to what? You have to break into your own phone. Well, I, I guess that's true. The same yeah, thing with jailbreaking and uh, exploits. I, uh, about maybe uh, three weeks ago or so, I uh, rooted my Android, and I had to reformat my user partition because I, oh, wow. encrypt, I encrypt my disk and I have a passcode. You and, encrypt your phone? Yes. Okay. Is that How transparent of an experience is that? What do you mean? Well, because on iOS, they say they encrypt it, and then it's mm-hmm. decrypted by oh. the touch ID slash your password. So, What is that like? So this is an optional thing on Android. You don't have to, but you can. Oh, you should. So you go into settings and say encrypt my disk. Well, what happens if you do that? What happens that, if you do that? that and your, you. Wait, what happens if you do that and your phone accidentally shuts off, like after you hit OK, but before it's done? You, you better be plugged in. Plug in. <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. And uh, so if you have a passcode, it uses that. Otherwise, it asks you to uh, create a passcode. And either way, you have to use your passcode after that. Wow. Wow. Well. Uh, that's, yes. Well, speaking of Linux, there is, hold on one second. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you say something? Because I'm trying to see, the thing is, uh, well, uh, let's see what the, uh, our beautiful outline goes to. Well, we talked about the Trump's yeah, statement. Oh, no, we, well, no, actually we didn't. Well, well, here's, here's all I really want to say about sure. that. Um, it's, I think it's in the best interest of these companies to try to do, to, to work with the next administration as much as possible and to not just because they don't like the guy not be professional and try to work with him there is a way as much as it hurts and i know it hurts there is a way to work within the system for mutual benefit and there's got to be a way if if i were one of the people that trump invited which ironically he didn't invite the head of twitter because they were too small well have oh, you seen their too stock? weak have you seen their stock no i haven't is it it's bad it's bad yeah uh, well, it's it's just quite ironic because you know he he uh, his campaign was on Twitter and he didn't even invite them. I think he, he should have relaxed that requirement He's, just for Twitter. I think the decisions were made based on uh, who has high stock, but and, and but again, the seats, it's the seating was based on who he likes. Yes, clearly. Because no, I'm serious because no, right clear. next to him was Peter Thiel and mm-hmm. Mike Pence, and Peter Thiel was there right from the beginning. Yeah, and uh, and, and then, then Tim Cook was Tim over, Co- yeah. and, and Bezos were also on the corner. But I, why were his? Sorry, why were? I'm still clipping. Uh, why were his kids there? Oh, that's like what? that's a big problem. That's a, no, and, and people are talking about this conflict of interest. He's right on that line. His kid should not have been, the two things. His kid should not have been in that meeting, and that meeting should not have been in Trump Tower. They should have had neutral territory. And his kids, if he's giving his company to the kids, shouldn't have been there. But uh, anyway, speaking of Linux, I think that's all that we have to say about 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 donald um there there's a new thing 
that is possibly one of the coolest, coolest things I've seen with Linux. And it's called the Linux credit card. Hey there! Are you an American who's fond of open source programming in our hilarious system of credit? Well, we're introducing the Linux Credit Card. That's right, the Linux Foundation is pleased to offer a Platinum Rewards Linux Credit Card for those who want to support the Linux Foundation's activities while expressing their commitment to Linux. The Linux Credit Card is an easy way for anyone to contribute to the growth of Linux and identify themselves as supporters of the open source community by carrying tucks in their pocket. All funds from the Visa Card program will go directly towards providing community technical events and providing travel grants for open source community members to accelerate Linux innovation. With no annual fee and a low introductory APR, the Linux Credit Card is a perfect way to express your love for both intangible money and intangible code. That's the Linux Credit Card. Just Google it. That's a real thing, by the way. That's not that. That's not even a joke. Oh, it's not yeah, a joke, yeah. and, and they in no way have actually sponsored a program. But I think it was it's worth it's worth noting. And doing an open source commercial for them, I think, is kind of you know, I think if they want if they want to give us a Linux credit card for free, that would be that would be, be nice. I, I would love to have a credit card with Tux on it. But I mean, what like what why is the is the game that lucrative that even Linux is as for another well, monetization outlet that they're looking for a credit card. Well, I think it's a good way to just get support without it being donate money. Instead, this is like, hey, here's a thing you have, and we get. Uh, I think it's they said like fifty dollars from when you sign up, go to Linux Foundation, and then and oh, and then all, and all the all the funds, which I I guess they get uh, they get that tax. It's it's not two and a half. It's part of the two and a half percent, right? So they get part of that, and part of that goes to the Linux Foundation. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Um, it's part. They're partnering with Card Partner Incorporated. We'll see fifty dollars as well as a percentage of every purchase made. So interesting. Well, only available to residents of the U.S. and they did not actually endorse or support our program. But we figured, why not? See, I'm surprised it's only the U.S. because uh, the no Linux- other no other country has a ridiculous system of credit. Well, that's true. But uh, the the Linux Foundation has a pretty significant. Um, Let's see, how do I put it? Um, significant, um, I wouldn't say influence, but uh, presence. Brand in, in equity. Canada. In, in Canada. They're, they're, in Canada? They're, there are a lot of um, oh, right. Linux Canada Foundation is... members, and uh, they Can... actually have a LinuxCon, I believe, was at, in Canada this year. Canada is a country. Yeah. And they do have credit cards in Canada. They do. Except, well, they're, except they're, uh, like, like how their car wheels are squares, their credit cards are triangles. And their football fields are much longer. <laughs> Then our inner money is worth less and made out of plastic and will melt on a hot day. Actually, so. I keep one in my wallet all the time from uh, my uh, trip to Canada. I took really? I used, to, I used to do that, and then I don't know where it was a 20. I don't know what happened to oh, it. Oh, I have a 20 inch too. Oh, look at yeah. that. Was it one of the new ones that'll melt? I'm not kidding. I, I, I don't know if it'll melt, but it's like green, uh, plastic green. It's got a shiny little piece in it. I think that is the new one. And they huh. said, uh, I mean, it might have been fixed now because I'm not a... I mean, it might melt in fire, but it doesn't. Well, no, because melt. it very rarely gets hot in Canada. I shouldn't say that; it gets hot in the summertime. Um, That's where I was. It was beautiful. It was like seventy degrees the whole time. Ooh, there. that yeah. is nice. In well, January. In what? It was. It was that year that were you in? Was... Were you in Canada? Well, remember Florida? That, you remember were on, that... No, you were in Ontario. You were in Ontario, uh, Tampa. Well, remember that year where everything was just really warm in the winter? Yes, that was. Yeah. Yes, and that's soon to be every year in the post-global warming world. Check this out. Microsoft says disappointment of new MacBook Pro has more people switching to Surface than ever before. I don't blame anyone. Like I said, I was looking at System76, which 
They're nice because it's PC, but it always comes with Linux. And I was also looking at like Lenovo and Dell where it's like you'd have to actually talk to them directly to get Linux on there. Otherwise, you have to pay like an extra like 100 to 200 for Windows that you just comes with. You ha- Wait, you have to talk to Dell to get Linux on there? Yeah. Uh, it's like not the, an option anymore? I well, thought- so So they have an XPS 13-inch that will just ship, ship with Ubuntu. But their 15-inch, which is what I'd be interested in, um, it comes with uh, Windows by default. So you'd have to like talk to customer service or something about shipping it with Ubuntu. And I think they'd only offer Ubuntu. Wow. Well, I mean, if you get an OEM computer, though, why not just have the Windows license that it comes with and then uh, reformat it? Because then you're just paying extra for something you're not going to use. You're not paying. if Wait, so if you call Dell. It's, so, like, it's like 100 or $200 less to run That you save. That you save. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was. I always thought you might just because it came with Windows, you might as well use the license or have it. Oh no, it's not free. Well, it's oh, no, it's not. But okay. Uh, well, more people are switching from Macs to Surface than ever before. Take that, Tim. And you know that giant <laughs> fake iMac that Microsoft made with that wheel that's probably too big and not usable in real life. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. There's this new. It said it like it's. It looks like a digital drafting table, and it looks like it looks like they ripped off the iMac because Microsoft is never original. And they, it has this, um, it's, it's, it's a Surface. It's like the Surface Studio or something like that. It's, the, it's a big one. It's like a 4K display, too. And they have this, like, touch wheel that you can, they show somebody turning, and it changes the hue of a color in Illustrator. And the, it, looks like, it looks like the size of a, of a tea saucer or like an ashtray that you just plop on the screen. <laughs> And you turn, and that does something. I think, I don't know. I mean, it looks good for the two seconds in the commercial. I don't know about real life. Anyway, that computer actually would look decent if Microsoft could release a decent operating system or if you could turn it into a Hackintosh. But I think Apple might be in trouble. I think Apple's, mm-hmm. Apple's, they finally, they got that hubris back. They got that stupid Macintosh hubris back that, that they had and when Steve Jobs was unfortunately younger than me. <laughs> and he was kicked wow, out of Apple. Wow, you put it in that perspective. He started, I know. He started wow. Apple when he was 24, and he was a millionaire by the time. I think he was 27, and I'm 29. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, no, they, they had that hubris because the Macintosh was so far and away better than PCs were at the time that uh, they thought they could just rest, and then Steve Jobs left, and, the, and um, is it Scully who replaced him? Well, First? Scully was already CEO when uh, Steve ah, Jobs was still true. around. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm right. I'm sorry. I should have known. That. I think, uh, like, I don't know. There's some, some way. Some tellings of the story say he voluntarily stepped down and then was working on projects there. It was the, he. He was forced out. Well, he was forced out of Apple entirely. Right. Yes. So the the him stepping down or he was fired. It's implicitly he was told to leave. But my point is, is that they had this hubris. Of saying, you know, the Macintosh is so much better. We don't really have to work on it for a while because uh, look at look at DOS. <laughs> look at these computers where you have to get the disk in and then you have and then hear all of it. And we just have a computer with a handle that has everything that you need in it, right there, and it comes in this cute little bag. What more could you want? Well, they uh, sat on their asses for ten years, and then Windows actually caught up, and then it took them a very very long time. I mean, they never regained that lead, actually, because th- since then, Apple was always marginalized, and Windows, as a commodity mm-hmm. product, uh, went, well, went on commodity I think, computers. Um, r- roughly around the time of the iPod coming out, they had a huge resurgence. And right, no, yeah, the huge resurgence was going from 1% to 4% of computer purchases. Yeah, but I mean, I'd say... Even uh, now. I- interestingly, though, now they're still at Now they're still at 12, I think, percent yeah. of the... And, and this is the most mainstream that they've been. 
Well, you also um, go to like a WeWork and just look around and see how many MacBooks. Well, there. I mean that's. A... And I'd say uh, go to a WeWork again in a year and see how many MacBooks there are. I'd say there'd be a huge difference Ooh, actually. That's actually that. You know what? Yeah. I thought I didn't think you were going to say that. It's actually an interesting experiment because right now they're, they're littered with MacBook Pros. Oh, absolutely. As are mo- most Starbucks. The joke used to be Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, everyone's writing their next screenplay on their Macintosh at Starbucks, and now it's at a WeWork. Well. Because we work. That, that's where everybody's writing their next big app. I know. So now it's everyone's writing their next big app at WeWork or on the L train. <laughs> because, yeah. No, and I'm serious. There are a lot of people I run into that you see with, with really? MacBooks and text editors I, I on, get, on I the get train. Ignored, I'd get annoyed with the uh, lack of internet. Ignoyed? Is that ignored and annoyed? Yes. That's a good one. Ignoyed. <laughs> that's an yes. old Brooklyn term that used to. Anyway. Uh, no, there, no, there are a lot of people. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's part of that. Um, they just, they want to be noticed. Mm. It's like, oh, I'm in New York City on the subway. Look, I'm coding this app. I'm bootstrapping me, it all by it's, myself. It's Rails on the back end. Uh, and then like, um, no, because these, re- no, no, these kids are like still in college. So it's Go or whatever they're teaching for a junior level computer no, science class. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Go developers. It's uh, usually the better guys I know write Go. Okay. Well, what, are they, what am I talking about in Python? Uh, and it's, it's no, like no, Python it's usually, and Node. I'd say it's still like Ruby and uh, Ruby and Node. Those are the two like ones that you can almost count when on you say, seeing in Brooklyn. When you say Ruby, you mean Rails? Oh, absolutely. Right. Do people yeah, yeah, still there, write Ruby without Rails? There are a few, and they are really good programmers that I run into. I mean, there are still people who write assembler code. Yeah. Those, assembly. The, those are the language. guys who hate their lives, though. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, Tim Cook <laughs> might be hating his life given the numbers on this uh, the MacBook. No, actually, uh, as a quick follow up, since we're talking about MacBooks, and this is the only way that you'll let me talk about Apple in this program, <laughs> I went to the Apple Store for my iPhone 6s because we had previously mentioned that uh, the iPhone 6s that were made, the first batch of them that were made in September, October 2015, have a problem where all of the batteries randomly die, and it really sucks. It's really horrible. And, uh, of course, the geeks are the people that buy the first batch of iPhones, and they're the people who are cursed with the shitty ones. So, serves us right. But, um, there's a website you can Google if you just type in Apple iPhone 6S Battery Recall. You'll go to it, you can enter your serial number, which you'll, they'll tell you how to find that. And, because it's not my job to educate you, no. Um, they'll tell you how to enter your serial number, and they'll tell you if, it's, if you're eligible for battery replacements. And I was. So, I went to the Apple Store in the underground mall in the world trade center actually that's open now which uh it's not brookfield it's like hmm. it's still it's like it's like it oh, looks like you're going into the observatory because there, there's the one in brookfield that's like the two yeah. stories no it's not brookfield uh, that one's pretty it's, cool actually it's, 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 it's like, like the one cool thing in that mall oh so far. yeah no um brookfield is nice and i just oh, wonder like nice, who you buys like, suits yeah. in the financial district because yeah. you buy them to wear to the financial district I mean, but most of my suits come from Brooks Brothers up over in the forties, but no. But what I'm saying is, like, but if you're go if you go to work in if you go to work down there, why do why would you like say, oh, sh- I need a suit. Let me go grab a suit yeah, right now. Can, I mean, that is whatever. Anyway, so I went to the Apple Store in this new underground mall. In the, I think it's I think it's part of Fulton Center. It's all it's hmm. it's all connected now. It's all like they're all tunnels and connections anywhere because you can like go from that mall to the path train and sure go from that mall to, Ful- to Fulton Street. Is it's it... not, I mean, it might be under Brookfield. And it's not, it is not, it is specifically not Brookfield because it's not mm. on, it's not across uh, West Street. Well, 
Brookfield kind of encompasses the whole thing, though. Was yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Was this the two? Anyway, we're getting detracting from the, the point, which is that I <laughs> this is went important to facts the, in New York. I, all of that stuff is connected via underground tunnels that they built since nine eleven. It is, and yeah. that, and they're opening yeah. up more underground tunnels every day, and it's all, and they're going to interconnect more subways, etc. Anyway, they couldn't replace the battery on my phone. Hmm. Now let's go talk. Let's go back to talking about underground malls because it's actually pretty cool in Montreal. They have a cool underground mall. No, uh, no, it's really. I tried to do the pitch. I tried to do the. Mm. Do you know who I am? I have a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Perhaps you've heard of me. Oh <laughs> uh-huh, no, um, that never mm-hmm. works. And I never actually, I never actually tried to do it. It did slip out though because he's like, I, I went. Uh, sorry, I uh, I went last Sunday. Based on the time I hang out with you, not at the show, you you, you kind of just slip that out in conversation a lot. <laughs> oh, I do tend to slip yeah. it out. Anyway, um, what is it? Oh, I need to get better at timing that. Anyway, no. So I went to the I went to the Apple Store. Uh, it's the World Trade Center Apple Store, and they and it was last Sunday after the show, which I should mention is a quick tangent. By the way, I own QuickTangents.com, and I almost made it through the whole show without saying that. Almost. Anyway. Last show was a pre-record, but because of when we managed to edit it, I still had to very much run down to the station like Blues Brothers style with the with the MP3 in my back pocket. It's like, come on, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta do it, I gotta, I just to, just to play a file and then sit here in complete silence for an hour. Or so anyway, back to Apple. Um, no, I, I, it, they noticed it was eligible for the recall, but uh, in fact they were actually out of batteries because so many people needed them. I'm not surprised. Actually, I have a coworker who had that exact issue and got it fixed going to the Grand Central. Grand Central. You know, yeah. it's funny. I was trying to find... That's why I went to the financial district. Cause I, I, I was trying to find an Apple store that would be pretty vacant. Rel- I mean, nothing's vacant in New York. I, I can't like, think of any Apple store that's not in the most crowded areas of New York. No, but I was thinking, who's going to be in FIDI at 8 o'clock on a Sunday? A lot of people, mm, yeah. because they just opened up well, that new mall. Actually, I, I remember coming across an article, totally non-technical article, saying FIDI is the new crowded area. Yeah, well, right, since they just, but I mean, it's, like I said, it's, you know, we're all the people who do strictly Actually, nine to five work. I was right are. over there for Tectonic Summit. Oh, yeah. well, look at that. It is my favorite part of New York. But It, it is a great part. Um, no, so I, there were three issues that I wanted them to look at. One of them was the battery. The other one was the fact that my phone does not charge well. And if, if the wind blows while it's plugged in, it will stop charging. And now Bluetooth has, t- has started telling me no when I try to turn it on. <laughs> So when I, yeah, it's not hard. You swipe up and you say Bluetooth on and then it sits one, two, three, and then flashes back off. Nope. Well, thanks phone. So I showed that. Of course, that's the thing that's the most annoying and works flawlessly in the store. (laughs) And I'm like, I fix things, but this is not supposed to happen to me. And uh, in that same tone with the charging, he, t- he pulls out, uh, not a paperclip, but what they use to change SIM cards, and he very carefully etches out a giant dust bunny <laughs> from the, the charger of my phone. And, uh, and I, when I saw that, I was like, that's what the problem is. And he's like, he just looks at me. I was like, I could have done this. He's like, yeah, you could have done this. Like, oh, man. And I'm like, I should have known. This is such a rookie mistake. Such a rookie mistake. <laughs> And yeah, and then the battery thing was actually, I was trying to pitch them for a new phone because of all this stuff. And I was like, I don't even want the 7. Just give me a new 6S and it'll be fine. But he said that they were out of batteries and so they'll have to try to, they'll call me. This was a week ago. 
They'll wow. call me, yeah. So they haven't called me yet. And I went there instead of the one closest to me in Williamsburg because I'm really morally opposed to Williamsburg. There's one in Williamsburg? There's a new one right next to the Whole Foods. Hashtag gentrification. That's Could it? Uh, where? I, yeah. I, mean, I haven't been in Williamsburg Where would be the year? most gentrifi- gentrified place in Bushwick? That's Bedford Avenue. And it looks like somebody is about to enter the studio because right on, right after us is What is Love with Sasha? Were you here? No, I think no, that was the time I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her next episode will be Great Expectations When Shit Gets Unreal. Sasha Sugar will talk about how romanticizing love and ideas of love fuck up love experiences. Wow. Romanticizing love. And you can hear every part of that on the air. Every part of that. The door opening and the, and the hi. Yeah. Hi, Sasha. How's it going? Show. You're ready for your show, romanticizing love and how love can fuck up our shit. What did you say? <laughs> when it fuck up our love experiences. Oh. Yes, these two will talk about it. They oh, wonderful. Stories. Well, hello to both of you. Hello. We're just wrapping up. We've got two and a half minutes left. Perfect. So, um, I was just mentioning. Do you guys? Do you guys have iPhones? If you can, if you can shout, so maybe we can hear. Do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Does it turn off randomly? Yes, yeah. yes. It does. Yes. I know. Oh my gosh, I have this issue for like two months. Like, yeah, like two and the guy from ago. Apple Store just said that I need to delete my photos. So I deleted all my nudes and it's still shutting down. That's because they're full of shit, Sasha. The Apple guy? I didn't start cursing until you guys walked in. Awesome. I was doing uh, you had a few. <laughs> okay, anyway. Yeah. No, uh, so what happens is there's a known defect with iPhone 6S's where the battery will turn off once it gets below like 40%. And it's so bad that they're actually out of replacement batteries right now. Oh, so, there's... so they should just give us a new phone. Now, listen, I went to the Apple store last week and I said literally that. And I, was, and I also tried to say, oh, I have a radio show. We've been dogging Apple a lot. It would be really nice if we could, you know, have a good story to tell about Apple. And that didn't help either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> Apple, we don't well, care. at least they're cute guys who work at Genius Bar at the. How about cute guys that host technology radio shows on the internet? Oh my god, that's so cute! <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, Christian, I think. Everything about technology is cute! <laughs> great. You know, we're working on the sound quality for the show. So great. Anyway, so Christian, given all of that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Right, right. <laughs> given quick Christian, are you there? Yep. Given given all of that, do you approve this poll request? Looks good to me. Well, let's hit merge. And we'll see you all next week right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs>